Okay, so for those of us who live closer to the equator, you may find yourselves running into the order of Soliolifera, or the order of the common land slug. What are some interesting connections that we can draw between the slug and these bacteria that we've been talking about and that we all know and love? All this and so much more on this episode of Short Stories Bacteria. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria, the podcast, where we talk all about the lifestyles of the small and infamous, the adorable and amazing bacteria. I am Dr. K, your guide into this incredible and varied and amazing world, and I would like to personally welcome each and every one of you to the podcast. If this is your first time, Dine, forget to hit that follow button. Um, be sure to subscribe as well. Be sure to hit that like, follow, subscribe, sure to share. I believe that's that's another thing you're supposed to do. Um, in order to stay up to date on the podcast, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Science with Dr. K. That is Science with Dr. K. And the link to that page can be found in the show notes of this episode or any of the episodes um, since we had the Instagram page up and running. Now, um, first of all, I wanted to point out that we have reached episode 43. Um, there's nothing particularly significant about this, but it's important to note here um, that we are getting pretty ding-dang close to one year's worth of episodes, which is so crazy to me, um, I have to say. I had absolutely no idea that the the podcast was going to make it quite this far. So thank you to each and every one of you for keeping me motivated, and um, that really helps me produce this material. Now, the second thing um, is that you should remember that you are always welcome always welcome to ask scientific questions, either bacterial or otherwise, and I will do my very best to answer them on the show. If you'd like to do this, again, reach out to us on the Instagram page. Um, That actually brings up the question that we have from today. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to Edith, who had this good idea for a question. Edith was curious about um, slugs. Specifically, um, are bacterial, bacterial, bacteria involved at all? with the consistency of slug and or snail mucus. So thanks for the question, Edith. Um, Now, this is actually a really, really interesting question. Um, And while the short answer is no, um, it is not the thing that causes slug mucus to be so so gooish, um, there are actually some really neat things that we can talk about that relate these overarching concepts together, the, the gooishness of the slug and bacteria. So let's unpack that a little bit. Um, in order to unpack that, we need to start off with this basic question. What the heck is even in the sliminess of a slug? When you pick up a slug or when you pick up a snail and feel the overall slimery, what is it that you're feeling and why does it feel so gross when you're holding it? Um, let's start off with this first question. What is slug slime? What are the components of slug slime? Well, it turns out that slug slime is a mixture of a number of different components. It's relatively complex. It's primarily water that clocks in at about 95%, um, so 95% water. And the remaining 5% of the mucus is a combination of a number of different things. It's a combination of sugars, of fats, and proteins. The highest concentration of this remaining combination is something called glycoproteins, which are just a series of proteins that have sugar molecules stuck to them. Glyco meaning something that is related to sugar. So glycoproteins is a protein that is related to sugar, that's stuck to a piece of sugar. Um, 
As a result, this watery, sugary, proteiny substance has this gooey, sticky consistency with which we're all familiar in slugs because it has all these sugar, sugary protein molecules put into this um, watery mix. Now, it turns out that this, these mucus, this, this mucus, right, this conglomeration of molecules called mucus, it's stored in these cells in little things called vesicles. Now, vesicles in the cell are essentially, they're these little packages that are used to store things. Um, they're used to ship things from cell to cell. They're even used to destroy things that enter the cell. They're these just little packages. One way you can use vesicles is to store mucus molecules. So these mucus vesicles are stored on either the exterior, on the exterior of mucus cells, right? And these mucus cells, so they, you have the mucus cell, and then you have attached to it, you have the um, mucus vesicles that are lining the outside of the mucus cell. Now, what will happen is those mucus vesicles will burst whenever they come in contact with an external object. So that would be, or, or just a different environment, just whatever you want. Whenever it comes in contact with something outside, then those vesicles are going to burst. And once these vesicles burst, then they release their mucusy contents onto the surrounding environment which in this case is going to be the slug and then everything else that the slug is touching. So as a result, the slug is coated in this sticky, gooey mixture. And we get coated in this sticky, gooey mixture whenever we pick up one of the slugs because we're grabbing a hold of the slug. All those mucus vesicles are bursting and then getting all over our hands. Now, this mucus mixture, it actually can do a lot of really, really cool things. It can exist in these tiny little granules when in the when they're in the um, when they're in the vesicle, or when it undergoes something known as shear stress or shear force, it can convert into these tiny little gooey strands, right? So that's how they get all nice and stretchy. It acts as a lubricant, which allows the snail or the slug to kind of you know squelch across the floor. But at the same time, in addition to acting as a lubricant, it's an, it can also act as an adhesive. It can act as a way of sticking to something. And this allows snails and slugs to walk along things like walls and ceilings without totally falling down. In addition, since mucus is primarily made up of water, it also keeps snails nice and moist. It can also act as a protective barrier. It keeps the, um, it keeps the slug or the snail from getting like cuts and slices. In fact, if you took a really, really sharp knife or a nail and you put it in front of the slug, then the slug or the snail could just climb over the nail or the knife, no problem. And the only thing it would leave behind would just be a trail of slug goo. It wouldn't leave any behind any like slug blood or anything, just slug goo. In addition to this, it is just because of the, um, how can I put this? Just because of the texture of the goo, right? It's quite disgusting to the touch. And in doing so, it can ward off other predators who think that the slug might be a delightful snack. They try to pick up the slug and then just think, oh, I'll just eat the slug. And the slug gets all of the mucus all over all of the predator. And the predator's like, well, that's just disgusting. And then drops the slug and then bails. So at the end of the day, mucus um, from the slug and the snail, super, super cool stuff. And it's super useful for slugs and snails to have on hand, um, or foot, I suppose. Technically it's on the foot of the, of the snail, I guess. Um, well, that just sounds disgusting, Dr. K, you say. In fact, just thinking about all this gooey, mucusy stuff on my hands and all over me just gives me the willies. Um, and also I suppose I'll, you'll tell me next that the bacteria is found all up and around the mucus. Now, this is where it actually gets really, really interesting because obviously like you and like I and like dogs and cats and cows and houses and everything else, slugs have their own microbiome. 
But slug mucus and the slug mucus microbiome is actually really, really fascinating. First of all, it is very true that there is a decent chunk of bacteria present in the slime of the slug. Um, There's a really cool paper that came out in 2022. Um, There's a group of researchers who hailed from Bulgaria, and these folks were looking at a type of snail mucus that is currently being used in cosmetics like lotions and hand creams, things like that, in order to ward off wrinkles or dry skin. Um, So yes, that's right. If you put on some hand cream or uh, for, for dry skin or something like that, anything like that somewhat recently, it is totally likely that you just gooed yourself with some snail slime. So that's, so that's very exciting. Um, in any event, this group of researchers, they collected 100 snails and grabbed some mucus from their feet without hurting the snail, which is always fun. And then what they did is they cultured a whole bunch of bacteria from the mucus and used genetic sequencing as a way to see if there were any bacteria any specific types of bacteria that were hanging around the mucus. Now, they found out, first of all, that yes, there were a whole bunch of different bacteria that were hanging out in the mucus. And in fact, it was a very, very rich community with tons of different species. What's interesting, though, is that there were a few types of bacteria that appeared to stand out and dominate the mucus microbiome. These included ones like Pedobacter, uh, Schuanella, and Rhizobicea. Interestingly, I'm sorry if I mix up any of those uh, phrases. I'm pretty darn sure about them. Um, Interestingly, these bacteria in particular, they seem to specialize at consuming complex carbohydrates, which looked a lot like the glycoproteins that we mentioned earlier. So it seems like the bacteria that hang out in the mucus of the snail are doing so because they're really, really good at consuming some of the material that makes up the mucus. And that makes total sense. Obviously, the environment of the mucus is going to encourage the growth of bacteria that can thrive in that environment. So very, very cool stuff. Um, It also turns out, though, that in addition to having a whole bunch of bacteria that are associated with the mucus, there's another side to this this coin of, of bacterial interaction. Because it turns out, that even though this snail mucus has a whole bunch of bacteria on it, it also simultaneously can act as a therapeutic and even a sterilizing molecule as well. If you, It turns out, if you look throughout history, you can find a whole bunch of people in traditional medicine who liked to use the slug and snail goo as a lotion for a bunch of different types of ailments. If you look back to doctors such as Hippocrates in ancient Greece, you can also look to some Chinese traditional medicine, you'll find this mucus is quite useful. It's used all the time. The aforementioned Hippocrates, what he did is he ground up a whole bunch of snails, then took that ground up bunch of snails and mucus and whatnot, and it was used as a way of treating inflammation. Folks in the 18th century even used it as a way of warding off symptoms of tuberculosis. Right, So very, very cool stuff, very useful. How does something like this work? Well, if you all recall, um, the mucus is primarily composed of water um, and a decent chunk of the remainder being made up of those glycoproteins or those sugar proteins. In addition to that, though, it has a whole bunch of other molecules that are associated with this mucus. It has molecules like hyaluronic acid. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, Hyaluronic acid, it's a very, very common molecule that's used in modern therapeutics now. It's used as a way of combating inflammation. In addition, though, the mucus had a whole bunch of other antibiotic and antiviral compounds, right? So what happens in what happens is, is as a result of this, when you put these two pieces together, if you take the antibiotic and antiviral compounds, 
put that in conjunction with the fact that there are glycoproteins that we mentioned earlier, it means that the mucus is actually a really restrictive environment. And that only bacteria that specifically can feast on the components of the mucus are able to survive and thrive in that environment. So simultaneously, the um, antibacterial, the antiviral components of the mucus are restricting growth of the vast majority of microorganisms, right? But the glycoproteins and all these other molecules that, that exist within the mucus are also serving as a food source for a specific subtype of bacteria. So very, very cool. What this means... Um, what this means, actually, more practically, is that in addition to acting as an adhesive, a lubricant, a protectant against the stabby stabs, a defense against um, predatory organisms, it appears that this slug goo can also be a way of killing off pathogenic bacteria, against protecting against pathogenic bacteria. In fact, there was a really, really cool review paper that came out in 2018 and what was really, really neat is that these researchers could use the snail slash slug goo as a way of killing off pathogenic bacteria. And this included things like E. coli, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, Staphylococcus aureus. That would be something that you see in MRSA, right? And other bacteria. Utterly, utterly crazy that you could use this mucus as a way of killing what could be antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Now, not only... Is this slug goo super useful in terms of the way that it protects the slug? Not only is it super useful in terms of um, use for cosmetics and therapeutics, like we just mentioned, slug goo and the components of it are actually inspiring bioengineering as well. So there's a group of researchers, right, out at Harvard University. Very, very cool. Um, and what they did is they used the unique properties of slug goo, right, this adhesive and um, lubricant at the same time they use it as an inspiration for something known as a hydrogel patch and all of the hydrogel patch is used for um, it's used as an adhesive in really moist conditions so that would be like inside the body so with this really really crazy hydrogel inspired by the slug goo the researchers could stitch together tissue and organs that were torn apart and the adhesive wouldn't fall apart even um, even in the moist environment of the body and that cool and all of this just derived from slug goo. Uh, I think that's very, very cool. But now we are getting way beyond the confines of bacteria. Um, but you know what? That is totally fine. Let us recap what we have learned and then wrap up here. Number one, slugs and snails, they use a complex substance called mucus. Number two, this mucus helps the little guys do tons of important things like climbing, getting food, protecting from predators, and maintaining a moist environment. Number three, one cool aspect about this mucus is the fact that it curates a very specific microbiome through a finely crafted molecular composition. Number four, because of how it regulates bacteria, mucus is used as simultaneously an antibacterial and an anti-inflammatory in both traditional and even modern medicine. And number five, mucus even serves bioengineering by inspiring things like hydrogels that are used as internal adhesives. How crazy, how crazy, crazy. All this comes from just a silly little cocktail of molecules curated by a tiny little slug. I know we totally lost bacteria in the whole scrum of that, but I do hope that you still enjoyed that episode. Thank you again for your question, Edith, and thank you again to all of you who tuned in today. All of your support really, really means a lot. I hope each and every one of you has a marvelous and amazing day as you navigate your own personal bacterial world, and I hope you'll hang out with me again next week on another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria.